But my goal was really clear when, after I came back from the fire, I said, I just want to own a business that delivered great care in our community where I didn't have to be in there 24 Mm seven. I could come, I could go, I could treat, I could not treat, and I would still make money. So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you wanna learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. This is your host, Aaron LeBauer. Today, my special guest is Jamie Schreier. Jamie and I go way back, um, all the way back to episode five of the Cash PT Lunch Hour when I interviewed him on a web, it was a webinar show at the time, and it's been a few years. So we decided to have Jamie back, catch up, see what he's doing, and, uh, you know, drop some more knowledge for you guys. So Jamie, thanks so much for being here. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Appreciate being back on. I can't believe uh, episode five. How, how long ago was that? Yeah, episode five. We did that. We're at like episode 156 or so. And I took a break for a while uh, because of like I, my my bandwidth. And it was that was probably 2014 or something like 2015. Holy moly. Yeah. <laughs> Time flies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the so, fact that you're remember, still here, you got staying power, man. That's uh, everything. Thanks. You too. I mean, it's, you know, that was one of those things where I was doing these and for a lot of listeners don't know, I was doing these as live webinars and re, I've ended up repurposing as a podcast because um, at the time webinars were awesome and awesome way to build a list. And, you know, we got to change with the time. So there's a lot of reasons uh, this year to um, pivot and, and persist. Um, why don't we start with, uh, with you? Like, can you tell your story for people that maybe don't know you? Like, you were a practice owner and then, you know, uh, there was a, a fire involved and now you're helping people grow their businesses. Can you give us the short like oh, five minute version I like, of like where are you from and what happened? And well, I'll, um, I, I'll go way back for a minute. Um, okay. so, you know, when I was younger, one of the things that I remember most, just a fond memory is going to work with my dad. So my dad was a small business owner, which is probably where I got the bug. And he actually owned a, a, a health food store. And this was back in the late 70s and early 80s. So, you know, health food wasn't like it is now. I mean, it was like, okay, who does that? But he had a business and he had a, a, a pretty good, uh, uh, you know, little, little mom and pop, literally a pop uh, shop. And I used to go with him and loved it, you know, just you know, going with your dad and, and stocking up the, the different groceries in the store. And, and um, you know, I don't know if you remember this, Aaron. Remember the little gun that you would set the price on? It was like an orange little sticker and you go click, 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 click. So that was my job. Greatest job in the world for like a 12-year-old is just clicking the stuff and putting all the stuff down. The bad part about going with them is I couldn't eat any of the food. It was just terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, he did have yogurt, which was pretty good. But anyway, so you know, that was just one of my my fondest memories of going with them. Well, what was interesting in that time is a couple years after that, that time that I remember is my dad went bankrupt. He had to sell, he had a couple locations and he had to sell them. And I was, uh, I'm the youngest of four, my siblings, everyone's older. And I was the only one still home and not too long after he had to go bankrupt and, and all of that, we had to end up selling my house. We had a nice four bedroom colonial house, yada, yada, yada. And we ended up moving to a significantly um, smaller house. It was just us three. And I remember that had just a profound effect on me. You know, you at the time, I'm like, hey, whatever, dad, whatever we got to do, we got to do. But we, we couldn't tell people. You know, we had to tell people we were downsizing um, the the arguments that I just remember hearing. I mean, we had a lot of love in the house, but there was a lot of arguments as well. Always about money. Words like I can't afford it. Um, my, you know, always focusing on what the other neighbors are doing, the Joneses and how they're living. Um, so, you know, fast forward, you know, I started my practice as, as I think most people do. You just have that passion that I wanted to help people. I was good at what I did. Um, I wanted to not have to 
get permission to go to the bathroom and, and take a day off. Like I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. So that what kind of sparked me to open up my own business. And then a few years into it, I started having some of the same um, anxieties, if you will, stress. I started working more hours, not really making any more money, making less money, mm-hmm. having some of those same arguments with my wife. I had a young family at the time. And all of a sudden, like three years into it, there was just this random crazy fire and my place burned down. <laughs> and I mean, it was like somebody hit the reset button. I don't know. But it was during this time of angst. And I just had time to think, you know, just real time to think. I had no patience. I had nowhere to go. So I have time to think. So the whole building just burned to the ground. Um, well, half of the building burned. My suite was in ashes. Wow. So the building itself was a brick building. The building was still standing, but it, this happened in October. I didn't get back in till March. Wow. So this is a lot of thinking time. And I was contemplating getting out of physical therapy, getting mm-hmm. out of being a, a practice owner and just doing something else. And, you know, I, I came to the conclusion that the reason I didn't give up I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I just was imagining back growing up with my dad and my dad was proud, hard worker, worked six days a week, you know, the typical, that old school mentality, work hard. And that was me. And what I realized is I just didn't know how to build a business, but I knew it was possible. I knew there was people out in the world that had businesses. I didn't know too many that had a practice, you know, PT practice, but I knew they had businesses, small businesses. And if I just focused on learning that as much as I focused on learning my craft, I knew I could do it. So that's what I did. When I rebuilt the place, um, I went down this journey of reading books, hiring business coaches, taking programs, just taking everything I possibly could, trying it in my business and learning how to do it. Now, unlike you, Aaron, I'm a slow learner. So I made every possible mistake I jest. It's all about making mistakes. Right. I made mistake after mistake. I took two steps forward and 20 steps back. I had people getting arrested in my place. I had the Department of Labor investigate us for improper way of we were handling things. Um, I had people steal from me. I had people fire, hire, and everything in between. So it took me nine years. But my goal was really clear when after I came back from the fire, I said, I just want to own a business that delivered great care in our community where I didn't have to be in there 24 Mm seven. I could come, I could go, I could treat, I could not treat, and I would still make money. And in 2013, that vision, that goal became reality. I was making more money than I ever made. You know, Um, I was working a few hours a week. I had a phenomenal team, solid systems and processes in place. And I was like, wow, I just, I did this. This is like real. And I went on a, um, a webinar, PPS webinar, private practice section. And I just shared my story, mm-hmm. kind of related it to McDonald's and stuff like that and how to build a McDonald's. And I had a handful of people reach out to me. And that's how I got into this whole business coaching business. And I, you know, you and I met and talked like literally that was like 2014. So less than yeah. a year later. So that's, that's kind of how I, came to be and how I got here. That's awesome, man. So you started a business, you started PT practice, it burned down. You got six months to really decide, am I doing this or not? And you came back and you built, it still took a while to figure out how to build it so that you could uh, kind of make money and have time and live and have it run with you. Is that right? I mean, from what, well, well, yeah, I mean, I, I want to make sure I got my timeline and everyone's, so practice well, burned down. And then how long was it that you were like, this thing's running with or without me and I'm making the money I want? Officially nine years. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a long time or a short time, but it's, it is what it is yeah, now. Yeah. That, I mean, that's awesome. Thinking, I just want to make sure like, cause this is, so you and I are, we're not spring chickens. <laughs> but well, you've been in this one game. of us is definitely not a spring right. chicken you've been in a little bit longer than i have uh <laughs> in pt um what was the one thing so it still took nine years right like that's a lot i mean but that's awesome right um because people everyone thinks it's going to happen overnight 
Yeah, I mean, it, luckily, it doesn't take nine years now right. when we help other people do right. it. But it took nine years because I didn't really have a model to follow. Mm -hmm. I was just trying stuff. And, you know, just because I made the commitment to want to build this kind of business doesn't mean I wasn't second guessing, doesn't mean I didn't have an ego and saying, I don't have to do that. I'll do it the way I want to do it. I mean, I wasn't a very good student. Yeah. Um, I made all kinds of mistakes. And then, of course, I had setback after setback. But I knew if I wasn't going to build this kind of business, what was I doing this for? because I couldn't make the impact that I wanted. I wanted to help people, but I also wanted to help my family. And I was like, well, why can't we just do both? And I realized I couldn't do all of that on my own. Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 it's like doing something that you completely were not trained to do. You were actually trained to do something else. And now you're trying to build a business of those, you know, of physical therapy, yeah. but you were only trained as this clinical tactical technician. And I kept fighting that two sides of my brain. That's why it took so long. Yeah. The how-to, the mechanical principles, and that didn't really take long at all. It took me seven years to get my head around it, and then took me about 18 months to two years to put it in place to finally take my name off of the schedule mm -hmm. and not have any patience. Right, right. Yeah, so it's, it's how to do it isn't as hard as convincing yourself or other people that it needs to be done sometimes. Right? Um, convincing yourself, having the confidence and having the conviction, and, and this is what I just so respect you, when we were talking about that, to be perfectly candid, I didn't really know what the hell you were talking about. I, I'm not a tech, or at least I wasn't, technologically savvy person. I understood business. Uh, it was a year after I just created this, so I kind of knew my story, but this whole internet, this whole webinar, you were light years from where I was, but the fact that you stayed with it I'm sure you made maybe one or two mistakes along the way. I don't know. <laughs> well, one um, or two, yeah. <laughs> you've had you've had your ups and downs. You've had your emotional swings. I mean, yeah. this is just a part of it. The difference is with you and with me and with a lot and a lot of other people, and I hope a lot more is you just continue to go. Mm -hmm. And and that's really having that decisiveness of this is what I want. I don't know how we're going to get there, but I'm going to just continue to learn, continue to better myself and things start to evolve and things start to work. And it's hard to do that, Aaron, as you know, on your own. Yeah, okay. I've had many mentors, many coaches, many people influence me along the way. And I think that for many of maybe your listeners or, or people, I think that sometimes we we went to school we're smart we kind of did it on our own and we're a little resistant to get help because of it's almost like a weakness right or getting helps a sign of weakness yes right and it couldn't be further from the truth mm -hmm. it's a sign of strength vulnerability openness um that that's how i see it now but i never saw that many many years yeah. ago you know and people say aaron i think i have a dumb question i'm like the only dumb question is the one you don't ask Right. I mean, it's like we need to be OK with asking for help. So what was uh, one thing that you did that you were like a little too stubborn to ask for help that took you too long to get right? That if you're looking back, you'd be like, oh, man, you know, well, we don't we don't have that much time here. So, um... <laughs> like what was the one mistake? Like what was looking back? What was the one mistake? Because I want people to understand, like uh success only comes after multiple failures but they're not really failures on the path to success if you don't stop no no they, they weren't failures and and i didn't see it as failures when i was doing it yeah um i was just kind of like god can i get something right here so i, I think if i looked back and i said you know and i and i don't like to do this i don't like to look in the past and say well if i had to do it again because it got me to where i am could have yeah. been done faster yeah, perhaps. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But if I, if, I was, if I was sharing with somebody, you know, something that I learned is I certainly would have, if you're already in business, this, this, is, this is for people already in business, mm -hmm. I certainly would have surrounded myself with mentors. You don't have to pay a fortune to people, but you have to surround yourself with like-minded people, people that you respect, people that perhaps have achieved something that you want, or people that you just, they just make sense to you and be around them and take advantage of this idea of, I forgot who said it, maybe you do, but 
we are, we think, we act, we have an average of the five people we hang mm-hmm. around with the most. So if you hang around with with positive people moving somewhere, uh, people talking about you know business and people in life versus there's plenty of naysayers, there's plenty of scarcity people, right. you'll just elevate just by being a part of that. And I think I hung out with a little too many of the complainers and the victims longer than I wanted to. And that affected my psyche and that affected my decision-making in my business and probably caused a lot of fear, which I was not willing to get over. So if I had to go back, I would definitely have surrounded myself with, with a better group of mentors. Yeah, that's great. I, um, yeah, I resonate with that because the one thing that I would have done was looking back was hired someone sooner. And it's because I wasn't hanging out with the right people to be able to see how that path was created. Exactly. You respect someone who says, Aaron, this is what you have to do. Hire somebody that you connect with that can help you with some of this. It's still going to be difficult, but at least you're on the right path versus Mm -hmm. you trying to figure it out because of some bravado that you have. That's why it took me so long. I had a big bravado and ego I had to get over. What was the, when, what was the one thing that you did differently when you came, when you're building, you're like building practice burns down. What's the one thing that you did differently when you started over again? Oh, great question. Um, the one thing that I did differently is that my mindset was about who, not how. Mm-hmm. So one of my mentors um, actually recently wrote a book around this, Dan Sullivan. Um he said, and I was in, in, his, in his program or starting his program at the time, he talked about everything in your business can be delegated, mm-hmm. almost everything. The areas you don't want to delegate or the areas that you love to do, that you have a never ending learning, um, that you just have a passion and desire and it's natural. So people call this unique ability, natural ability, superpower. So the one thing that I learned coming into this, and again, it was a lot easier to conceptualize and to do for sure, but I looked at everything and I said, not how do I do it? Who can help me to do this? Who can help me at the front desk? Who can help with billing? And of course, the first thing would be, I can't afford that. Right. Right. So I would be challenging on this idea of I can't afford something, but I would look at it as, who can help me do this, which would then allow me to stay more focused on the areas that I have to do to build the business? Who can help me treat the patients? So that was a thing that I wasn't really looking at before the fire, that after the four or five months, I came back with, if I'm serious about building a business, building a true business that made money when I'm not there, that was worth something that I could sell or legacy or whatever, then I need other people to help me. So every time I got a problem, I would sit back and saying, how do we solve, or who can I get to help me solve this? And back then there wasn't the level of technology that there is now. Now a lot of the who is a piece of software Mm -hmm. or a piece of technology. So that's the thing that um, I really took from coming back out of this, out of the ashes. Right, that's awesome. So. If someone's going, oh man, Jamie, that's a great, that's a great thought. Who can I get to solve my problem? But it's expensive. But that person's going to cost me this and this software. Like, how do we get over the uh, mindset of that who is expensive to hire? Like, what's yeah. the? How do we see past that? Again, we don't have a week, or in some people, it might take years. But this, this, it's a. First of all, it's a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean is something inside of you, maybe your upbringing, usually it's our upbringing. For me, it was a, certainly my upbringing, is the scarcity of I can't afford it. Um, there's no proof I can't afford it. There's no documentation or data analysis. It's just an emotional I can't afford it. So the first thing that I do and that I share and tell other people is before you say I can't afford it, how about we just carve out and see what see what it looks like. Mm-hmm. See what the position would cost. Break it down and then look at what is the gains that you're making. So, you know, a lot of these things is you're buying back time. 
well, how much is your time worth? Like I used to think my time was worth whatever an insurance company gave me. So my time for some insurances was worth 40 bucks and others are worth a hundred. But I realized that my ability to connect with one referral source could be worth tens of thousands of dollars. Well, if I don't have time to do it because I'm answering the phone, mm -hmm. then those are opportunity costs loss. Now, at the end of the day, because we're all business owners, even if you have a side hustle, you're still a business owner in that side hustle. Even if you're an employee somewhere else, there's always an element of risk. You'll never get away from that. But I rather have the risk come into me and my ability to do something versus the known factor. If I don't have time to build this business, to build relationships and build the systems and everything else, then I know for a fact it's not going to grow. So, yes, it may not be perfect timing like whatever today and I can't afford, you know, that front desk person. So what's the plan then? What I real what I see is a lot of people have no plan because they're not clear on what it would take to pay that person and what that's going to give you in return, especially one of the biggest things we can do mm -hmm. is hire someone to actually do the um, a lot of the treatment because there's very talented people out there that have a passion that if you could mentor and teach them, they could help you with that part, which would give you a lot of time. So this whole, this whole kind of psychological business around, I can't afford it, it's expensive. The first thing I recommend is let's get clear on what it actually is. Let's get real dollars and cents. Mm -hmm. Let's do a little pros and cons. What are the pros if you do it? What are the cons you can do it? And then from a money standpoint, you may not have really the money to do it. So then the question is, well, how could you get the money? And how quickly would it take to get back the money? Because what you're really doing is then investing in yourself. And if you're scared to do that, I get it. But then you're going to have this problem with, but this whole business you're doing is an investment. It's all a risk. You're right. betting on yourself. So the more you can think through it, the more it can become a little bit more objective than emotional because when when you're highly emotional, you never make good decisions. So let's get objective, do a pros and cons, and then determine what it's going to take to get a um, return on that investment that you're going to hire somebody. Right, right. And it's, it's almost like it's flipping the question. Instead of that's expensive and I can't afford it, it's if you catch yourself doing that, it's what uh, would it be more like um, – what time is it going to give back to me? Because that's the way I see it is like, I'm buying my time back by delegating and hiring other people. I have more time sure. for Aaron, right? So is there is there a very simple, is it the very simple question of like, well, how do we afford it? Or is it like, what do I get? At? It's really, it's, I think what I hear you saying is, what do I get out of hiring someone or paying someone to do that? Do I get more time and more speed and more satisfaction or impact? That, those kinds of things. Is that... Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and, and the thing that you said was right on initially, and this is one of the, one of the mindset shifts that I had initially, everything I did in my business was all to remove things off my plate. Mm -hmm. Now there are some issues I had to get over. First of all, I had to get over the issue of letting go with something. <laughs> yes. That's a big issue. Like, you know how that it, it's, it's, tough. Not easy it's so hard <laughs> to let go. So that's something that I had to be comfortable with. The, the other thing was if I let go of this and this was my identity, like if I let go of some of the treating that I did and I looked at myself as a physical therapist only, not just a, not as a business owner, mm -hmm. then I'm letting go of my identity. Now what, we, now what we have is an identity crisis. Right. And I went through a lot of crisis counseling that I was a lot more than a physical therapist. So those are the psychological things you have to do. But the practical things is exactly what you said. If I delegate this, I'm going to buy back time. So if I have time, how much is that time worth? So you have to be clear on what you're going to use in that time. So if that time is worth for you then to mentor and put in some better, efficient, more efficient processes or mentor your staff, what could they produce back? I guarantee it's going to be a hell of a lot more than $15 or $20 an hour, right? which right. is going to more than pay for an admin person or $40 an hour, which would more than pay for uh, uh, an hourly therapist. So that's how you start thinking about this stuff. And then of course, at the end of the day, there is that element of risk because nothing's guaranteed, but my bet is 
I would rather bet on you or meaning myself than not doing that and then feeling stuck because I can't get things moving forward because I'm just sacrificing my hours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we know how that works out. You just become trapped in your business. Right, right. Is that you felt, you know, at some point you felt trapped in your business? I felt trapped for years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't until about two years before, maybe 2011, and I started my business in 2001. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until, or two, uh, yeah, 2001. Um, it wasn't until 2011, 10 years later, that I truly felt like I didn't have this anxiety, this trapping of my business. Um, and once I started feeling like, wow, I, I can start to see the light, that then motiv motivated me to really move, put together some processes. Again, not perfect. Yeah. Hire some better people, hire some management team, hire directors and all that, delegate some things out. And it sped up quickly. And then as I did that, and this was a phenomenon that I was hoping for, but I didn't know how it was going to work, but I heard stories about it, that every time I delegated, every time I made my business more efficient, my income went up. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Right. right. So it's a weird phenomenon that you make more money and have more time and love what you're doing. Holy mm -hmm. moly. Right. It's about working smarter and not harder. <laughs> and that's the definition of it. Yeah. The definition of working smarter is not doing everything in your business and looking at who else can help you, whether it's a who, whether it's a technology, whether it's outsourcing. And now we have endless opportunities to do that with like Upworks and Fiverr mm -hmm. and all these. You can hire people for just what you need at pennies on the dollar versus back in the right. day, you'd have to hire an entire person to do it. Right. Right. What um, do you, I mean, with everything that's going on right now, and as we're recording this, it's November, 2020, if we got COVID's been here for a while, I mean, wouldn't you say some of this stuff's more important now than ever, but at the same time, I, you probably see people like shrinking back and taking control over their business again and doing more rather than less. I mean, you know, are you yeah, seeing any I'm patterns seeing... here and like, you know, how, COVID's affecting people's decision-making process and their ability to continue to move um, out of their business and delegate more. You seeing that? Yeah, um, I'm seeing kind of two different types of people. Um, a, a lot of the people, or at least a lot of the people that, that I'm associating with and talking mm -hmm. to, they're looking at this as they're already back to pre-COVID numbers. They're moving yeah. past that. They're looking into 2021, looking at how to, you know, create a business to that that can withstand perhaps perhaps another shutdown or another pandemic thing but really focusing on how do i protect my business not necessarily from purely a pandemic because mm -hmm. all of us were affected on some level but how do i really put together the things that i know are not um that, that are really risky in my business right now so there's that side of it again you're more of abundance-minded thinking in the future um just using this opportunity to build what they want and then there's you know a big portion of the other side that you know maybe they've come back a little bit i mean i think everyone's coming back to some level but they're kind of back with that same mindset of well now i don't have as much staff i'm i'm really bitten now with the whole I'm afraid to grow, I'm afraid to let go, and kind of reverting back to where they once were mm -hmm. because of fear. And they're justifying that fear, which I certainly and, and, and empath, empath, empathize, I, I can empathize with them around that because it is scary, it is uncertain type of world out there, but they're shrinking mentally. They're shrinking staff. They're shrinking what's possible which again, if you want a job trading time for money, then, then I'm never gonna say anything about that. But there's a lot of people that don't want that, but they're doing that because of that fear and that worry and that concern. So that's what I'm seeing, Aaron. I'm just seeing, yeah. it, there's not like a million different types, just kind of two types of schools are coming from. Right, yeah, I mean, I, same. I mean, I see people who are crushing it and having the best year ever, best months ever, and people that are, in uh, the scarcity mode, I, right, almost rightly so, because that's where we've been trained to be, but just pulling back, shrinking, and not willing to go forward. But if they can, you know, it's like the people I see who 
get into the abundance and the and 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 spending their time right like even if you have more time like people that are spending their time on the systems like are 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 progressing and they're widening there's this big gap in the middle right now of businesses yeah um, and, and i think there was always a big gap yeah like you know people say oh we're getting back to pre covid and i go was that a good thing like <laughs> right. you remember 80 85% whatever that number is of businesses of practices prior to covid if you if you surveyed the owners they're working 60 hours a week and not making anywhere near the money they should be right. and they don't have the the happiness in the home life that they want so why would you want to go back to pre covid mm -hmm. let's just go to another world let's just go to another uh, you know uh, remember the book blue ocean strategy yeah. let's just go to the blue ocean that we've never even seen before rather than go back to pre covid or even think like pre covid because okay. now's the time and this is a wonderful opportunity. Yes, there's a lot of stuff that's going on, a lot of emotions. I mean, the whole political thing and all that stuff, there's all of that there. And yet there are still people out there, millions and millions and millions that need your help. Right. And right. the only way they're not gonna get your help is if you don't build your business and learn the things that you need to learn to be able to connect with them, reach out and, and provide your solution to their problem. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. And some of the biggest businesses, corporations in the world have been built during uh, times of economic stress. Absolutely, and the same thing is happening right now. Yep. The people that use this as an opportunity, as weird as that might may sound, now is the time and there will be millionaires, billionaires created because of this and after this for the next year, two, three years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there already has. I mean, it's kind of, it's just nuts. Um, so what would you say, like, Jamie, uh, you know, if someone wants to stop getting out of the trading time for money trap, you know, like, I'm always working, you know, for like one person at a time where I'm an owner, and I'm trading time for money. We kind of touched on this, but, you know, I, what's the way that you've seen is the best way to kind of stop that cycle where it's, I only make money when I'm with someone very specific or with someone one-on-one -on -one or with four people an hour like what's the best way so, to to take advantage of everything and, and make that move so you told me before we jumped on here you said you bought a heater from home depot yeah home depot motto is what what's what's their motto what does home depot say i don't know uh get cheap stuff from like abroad and put it in your house and come back and forth five times on a Saturday. <laughs> um, that's not the motto. That's just what everyone does. Right. But their motto is something like uh, do it yourself. We can help. Yes, 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 right? yes, yes. That's do it. it yourself. We can help. I want you to stop shopping at Home Depot or at least stop buying into their motto. Right. That's their motto because you are shopping there, getting stuff and doing it yourself. Mm hmm. You don't want to shop at the Home Depot uh, practice building strategy program because you do not want to do this yourself. You want to delegate things. You want to take all these activities and tasks and to do's on your plate and you want to start start taking them and removing them off of your plate and providing it to someone else using technology, using an SOP, standard operating procedure system, and starting to remove that. Because as you do, you get back more time. Mm -hmm. And as you get more time, you can then start focusing on how to generate more money. But the money you're generating isn't coming directly because of the time of you actually doing the particular service. I mean, I know a, a big part of your population is cash-based, Mm -hmm. which I love. Everyone needs to have some cash-based component to it. But this this idea of literally paying you minutes, like 15 minutes is worth $13. Like right. it's literally the whole rule is time for money. I mean, it is the most, you and I can talk about this all day, the backward ass thing in the world that somebody created a model that was going to just cause us to fail unless we built 30 right locations. I mean, it's built not to not to succeed that model. Um, so that's how you get out of the time for money gap 
is you have to let go of the things that are taking all your time and start leveraging things that make money. So if you're brick and mortar, you can leverage services brick and mortar by hiring other people, mm-hmm. focusing on um, marketing. And again, marketing, you can stop trading time for money because there's a lot of ways. I know you're great. So it gets back to the who. It's like it gets back to the who do I get to do this? Right? Who, not how. And you know what's interesting? And based on what you were just sharing and something from a few minutes ago, what I'm thinking, and I'd love your feedback on this, is it's almost like we get out of working for someone else. We have a job. We work for someone else. But then we go and build a job for ourselves because we're used to this certainty of having a job somewhere else has. Now we have a better job. But it might have certainty in having a job for myself, but not longevity and time. But as soon as I find other people and hire other people and scale it, I have less certainty, but I have almost maybe more certainty. I have more power, more potential, more ability to impact people if I can move out of being my own employee. Yeah. Do you I mean, you ever read um, uh, one of my favorite books is Robert Kiyosaki. Um, well, originally Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. But the book I actually liked more was Cashflow Quadrant. Yes. Cashflow Quadrant. So, it's an awesome book. Yeah. All, old book. I would pick it up or you could probably just type in Cashflow Quadrant. It'll show you the quadrants. Just read them. So there's four quadrants of how money comes into your life. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about it, of course, it's a contextual model and it's simple. I love simple. It makes so much sense when you read it and you're like, what? So- most people are employees. Employees, you literally are getting paid on some level per hour, time mm-hmm. for money. And then you become self-employed, which all of us are. So you're, you're, you're trading time for money, but you're, you're able to do it in a way that if you have lots of employees, you don't have to be there necessarily all the time. But I would argue saying, actually, you're probably going to be there more having all these employees. Um, so you're, you're, you're able to make more money than if you were an employee, but you're still not really making money. And then you go to the other side of the quadrant and it's being a business owner. Mm -hmm. And this is what really caught my eye when I was going through this craziness of the time. I was reading that book. I was dissecting the book. I got notes all over the book. um, Is how do I truly make money if I'm not physically there? Like what would have to happen to make money if I was away for a month? Yep. And then that glaringly showed me where I lacked clarity around something, where I lacked a person, where I lacked a, um, a system, and where I lacked how I was thinking about all of that. So that was a real powerful model that cash flow quadrant model and i think that well first of all of course we're not taught this in school and we're really not taught this outside of school unless you actively search for you and me and other people that are that are showing this stuff and sharing this stuff um but then of course you're just over inundated with just i mean forget about the elections forget about the COVID, but then you're just inundated with everyone pitching and selling you stuff so it's just hard to comprehend and take in all that stuff. So when, you, when you're overwhelmed, you just get paralyzed and you just stop doing anything. Mm-hmm. And then you just justify how being where you are, I guess, is okay. And you just keep working more hours until some catastrophe happens. So, you know, that, that's, that's really what, you know, what I see, what I've been through myself, what I see now. Um, but yeah, you can't do it yourself. Why would you want to create a business that's, easy, that's fun, that's that's purposeful to you. And in order to do that, learn the elements of that business, not just the elements of delivering the thing. You're fine on that part. I'm going to give you the okay. You don't need any more credentials after your name. You don't need to, you are good. Right. Trust me, you are good. Learn about the business of what you're delivering and you'll be much better. Yeah, that's awesome. Very well stated. Um, so after nine years or so, I mean, you're not still an owner of your business, right? You, uh, your clinic, I mean, uh, you, you sold it or how did that, yeah. what, what worked out there? How did so that- yeah, what happened was in 2013, when I, when I, when I did this, I was making good money and my business was running I had a great staff. Um, I had, um, you know, all that in place, 
I, I just did, you know, I still worked on my business, but it wasn't that many hours I was really putting into it. I started getting to this whole coaching thing and started learning about this whole new world of coaching, which God, I thought the PT business was hard. This, this is like the wild, wild west of, of, of having a remote business. Um, and um, so I started focusing more on this business and, you know, about a year or two into it, I, you know, when you meet that girl, I just fell in love. I just like, yeah. I love this. I want to spend the rest of my life doing this, helping people in this fashion, learning about this industry, learning about the coaching. And I realized it's something that I've always loved to do. And I was always good at doing. I was always good at communicating, you know, some complicated thing and make it kind of interesting and simple. And that's kind of what I was doing with this and through my book. Um, so a couple of years into it, I said, you know what? I reached out to a friend of mine who was a mergers and acquisitions guy. And I said, if the opportunity arose and someone wanted to buy my place, I'd entertain it. And he goes, mm -hmm. okay. So I did just the normal stuff. Of course, who, not how. I just hired a consultant. Wasn't going to try to sell this thing on my own because it wasn't worth my time. And um, nothing for about a year and a half, nothing. And then in um, 2015, he started getting a couple bites and then one of them was the perfect fit. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a big company, which I knew a big company wouldn't want me because I was doing things differently. Like who buys a company when the owner's not even there, right. but a smaller company would get what I'm doing and actually pay me more. And that's what happened. I got paid, you know, uh, a considerable more multiple because of how my business was organized and run. So I ended up selling it. Um, so I can just hundred percent focus on, serving and helping as many practice owners as possible. So that happened in January of 2016 yeah. and it's just been rocking and rolling ever since. That's awesome. Congrats. What's the one thing, like if someone's like, maybe one day I'll sell my business or sell my clinic, what's the one thing that like a clinic owner needs to make sure that they have in place? So when people are ultimately buying, and I'll, I'll qualify this in a minute, but what people are ultimately buying when they buy your business is they're buying a system. Mm -hmm. Now, if you are the system, if you're running around treating and overseeing and working 60 hours a week, well then when you sell the business, you're coming with it at least for three years because you're the system and they need to extract from you how this thing runs because if not, it's too temperamental so if you're not, if you don't come with it, forget it. Now, somebody might be saying, yeah, Jamie, they're not buying that. They're buying your financials. They're buying your referral sources. They're buying your staff. They're buying your, your more or your uh, lease. Yes. Those are all components of it, but think about it. Your referral sources are what? It's a system of how to generate referral sources, how to generate referrals, you know, um, Yes, they're buying your, your existing staff, which can come and go. But if you have a way to hire them and to onboard them and to train them, and you have different ways to uh, profit share with them, that's what they're buying. So they're buying your systems, they're buying your operations. And of course that leads to the results you're getting, which is what your financial reports are. So they might make the decision to purchase you for half a million versus 5 million, based on your EBITDA, but how you're getting that is what your business is really worth. So no matter what, whether you're just starting out this year or whether you've been in 20 years and you wanna sell in the next five years, putting your systems together, putting the organization together that generates referrals, that removes you from the day to day, that gets a bigger bottom line, that's where you wanna put your time in doing that to help make your business worth the most it possibly can. So you get rewarded again, not just while you have your business, but mm -hmm. you get rewarded a lot when you sell it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, who is it that says build to sell? I can't remember who there's oh, built to sell. Yeah. Um, yes. Built to sell. Yeah. And it's probably a book. I mean, it's the idea is like, even if I don't plan on selling it, I'm going to build the systems to sell because this can help it make uh run well and, and do a lot of things we've talked about, like help me get my time back. Right. Some people may, you know, um, I may not know a lot, but what I do know is no matter what, you ain't taking this business with you when you're gone. So <laughs> you could either 
consciously and intentionally build the business to either sell it, to mm -hmm. legacy it, to profit share. You decide, but you building the business shouldn't matter which how to you do. Just build the business that not only is it worth something considerable later on, but you build a business that you're loving your life right now because I don't believe you need to sacrifice and kill yourself for 40 years to then end up with the gold watch and the bad pension. <laughs> like this is your life. I mean, for most of us, and I know Aaron, this is for you too, like your life is predicated on this business. So mm -hmm. does business go, so does your life go. Why not just create it where it just gives you all of it? Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Um, Jamie, what do you think is the biggest opportunity coming down the road for physical therapists, whether we own businesses or thinking about it or not, you know, I think the biggest opportunity is I'm hoping this is a wake up call COVID, um, physical therapy. And I know you and I can talk to at lengths at this, the physical therapy industry is way behind on technology. It is way behind on just thinking about there is more than just brick and mortar in the world. Yes, brick and mortar and a, and a patient going to uh, a clinic, that is never going to not happen, right? However, there is a bigger and bigger world that is moving towards technology. And I don't think enough of us, you and I, like you said, we're already kind of the old dogs, right? There's not enough of the of people embracing that, thinking differently, thinking, quote, out of the box, whatever the hell that means, yeah. but thinking about innovation, thinking about technology, and thinking about how we can deliver our expertise, because all of us have something in common. We're all experts, but how we deliver the expertise, how we package it, how we present it, we need to embrace more of technology in whatever way that looks and whatever way you wanna do it to whatever population you wanna serve. I think that's one of the things that I'm hoping from what I can see, I think things are gonna slowly move that way, but I'm hoping people embrace more because that's where the opportunities are. The brick and mortar will not die. There'll continue to be some consolidation, but if you look at every other industry out there, the physical therapy industry hasn't really changed much in 50 years. Yeah. It's like moving a big ship. Sometimes it's easier to get on the little lifeboat and go somewhere else. It's a big ship and like, uh, you know, in, in, in water with a lot of uh, uh, icebergs around. I mean, it's just right. like, it's, yeah. and, and, and again, the big ship is the, is the bigger, you know, APTA. So the big ships don't move quickly, but, you're, you're, you're not a big ship. Mm -hmm. We're all small, independent right. ships. Right. We can move, we have speedboats, man. We can pivot, we can do whatever we want. It will take learning new capabilities, new skill sets that you may not have, but you know what? We're experts at learning. We learned this whole damn profession and man, that wasn't easy. We Neuroanatomy was tough. <laughs> Neuroanatomy almost got me out. Oh man. Exactly. So we have the capability. We have, we can do this. Yeah. It's just making a decision and thinking what is to come. Where is this technology going to meet healthcare? You're starting to see it. Physical therapists can be right there, you know, with our expertise, and nothing is stopping us. Nothing. Yeah, that's important. So, Jamie, um, we're about out of time. Uh, before we uh, finish up, uh, I wanted to ask, like. Um, if someone wants to connect with you online, whether it's through your website or social media somewhere, you know, what's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted, you know, I wrote a book uh, mm -hmm. about my journey called The Practice Freedom Method. Uh, people have seemed to really like the book. It's just an op open and honest uh, account of what I went through, through those nine years, from the fire, from the misery that I had, of course, with the fake smile, because we all have to say we're doing well. Um, but I open up and share all of that stuff. And then I share some of the stuff that I did, why I did it, how I did it. So um, I want to, if it's okay, I want to offer that to your people. Um, no, no strings attached. Um, it, it's just a, a, a downloadable copy. So you can get it right away. Uh, you just go to practicefreedomu.com slash cash PT dash podcast. 
Um, and you can you, you can get the uh, digital copy of the book. It's the exact copy of the book. It's not changed in any way. So that's that's the first thing that you can do if you want to just learn more about this this practice freedom method, like how to do this. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can certainly visit my website, practicefreedomu.com, the letter U, um, or reach out to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I answer every email I get, Jamie uh, at practicefreedomu.com. Happy to talk to you. Happy to answer and help and help you any way I can. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, we'll put those links in the show notes. It's uh, practicefreedomu with a letter U.com forward slash cash BT dash podcast. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, awesome, Jamie. Thanks so much. Is there anything that um, you think is important that maybe I forgot to ask? No, I mean, we, we can we can talk all day. And uh, I just I just want to say, you know, how much I appreciate you and what you're doing for this profession for this field. Um, you, you found that niche of cash PT, which again, you, you were, you were like freaking Nostradamus, man. You saw where things were going. Now, uh, I think cash PT is synonymous with, you know, having a business that's not insurance. And, and that was a big thing that you created. Um, so, you know, completely kudos to you and what you're doing. And, um, and we, yeah, we just need to continue to, to, to move this forward and, and encourage people, give them the confidence, of course, give them the tools to help them do it because all ships rise with the rising tide. And there is plenty for everyone to do this. If you want to build your own business and do your own thing. So thank you. You're welcome. And thanks so much, Jamie. Appreciate you being here and, and dropping the knowledge. I mean, those some great pointers and tips. And I hope if you guys are listening, you've written down like 10 different things like I have um, from Jamie and uh, about how to um, grow yourself, your business uh, with other people, the who, and by giving yourself more time and doing it in abundance, that's with other people, <laughs> you know, rather than sitting back and going, oh my gosh, this is hard. This is scary. And it's uncertain um, because there are other people that are in that boat with you. You just need to go find the boat. And we can all like rise it and bring it up together. So Jamie, thanks again. Um, I really appreciate it. And uh, if you guys are listening to the Cash PT Lunch Hour, absolutely appreciate uh, a rating and review over on iTunes. But more than anything, what I'd love for you to do is take one idea from this uh, episode and put it into action and then let us know how it worked out for you and uh, what your big insight was. Otherwise, we'll see you on the next show. Thanks so much. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash-based physical therapy practice or you already have one and you want to learn how to grow it and scale it, this is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint, because I want to get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there. I want to give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling, and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T-B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T-B-O-O-K.com. And we get your copy, give me a shout out somewhere on social media, and we'll talk to you soon.